Season number two already. I am one of the hosts of the Stun Show. I am rotating with Daniel Gordon, Jordan B. Gorfinkel, and Mayor Fertig. Not necessarily in that order. And you'll get one of us every single week at this time. Our new time, if you're listening to this show, it's an original airing. Thursday afternoons. Pull back a little bit earlier from Thursday evenings, but hopefully you will find that not only can you listen to this show on Thursday afternoon, but you'll also be able to listen to it on a podcast, on an archive. We're trying to make it available to everybody. I wear many hats in the Nachum Siegel Network, for those of you who don't know who I am. Nachum gave me the title recently of music director, so I guess I do that. And uh, I also help manage the uh, back end of the, the backbone, as we say, of the Nachum Siegel Network. As I also normally say and when I open uh, one of the editions of the stunt show, because it is a stunt show, we never really know what's going to happen. So it's either Crash and Burn or Radio Gold. Hopefully it's Radio Gold, and hopefully you will all enjoy it. The concept is interesting this week, something we've never actually done anywhere on the Nachum Siegel Network. It's going to be a clip show. I thought that we are since we are beginning season number two of the Nachum Siegel ne- Network, and not everybody gets a chance to sample all of our new shows, even though, as I mentioned, it's very easy. You can download them as podcasts or go to our website and listen to them on demand. That's NahumSiegel.com. I thought I would pull some clips, some interesting clips of the programs that have aired so far this week. For those of you uh, who don't necessarily know about uh, how the back end of radio works, I will give you a little secret. It is not Thursday as I am speaking into the microphone. It is, in fact, Wednesday. Big secret. We are pre-recording this show of the stunt show, maybe just to make sure the stunt works, and you'll have to judge for yourself whether that's true or not. So what I have done was I have listened to the shows that aired on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and taken from clips. We're actually going to highlight, highlight four different shows today. We're going to focus on 
By the Book, which is hosted by Nachum Siegel, the debut episode of By the Book. We're going to revisit the Jewish reaction with Ellie Hagler. Ellie always puts a great show together. We have an interesting clip from that. Something to talk about with Randy Wartelski, a very popular show on this network, moves to 9 a.m. on Wednesday mornings, and we are excited about that. And she did a great show with uh, a, a parenting coach. And the debut of Rabbi Chaim Hagler's Listen Up. Yes, it's that Rabbi Chaim Hagler from Bruria. And he talks about uh, the heir of an Elizabeth. Again, a very interesting topic, and we're going to play for the debut show, certainly the opening segments of the show, so everybody can get a sense of what's going on and the feel of the show. So sit back, relax, enjoy, as we begin Season 2 of the Nachum Siegel Network. So, as we say, clip number one. Clip number one, we're going to open up with, um, let's see, we're going to open up with a Jewish reaction. So, for those of you who have not yet found our brand new Season 2 schedule on our website, first of all, that's NahumSiegel.com is the website, and the um, and right on the top of the website of NahumSiegel.com is a, a button, a link, whatever you like to call it, within the menu structure that says Schedule. And the schedule is right there, and the OU's Jewish Reaction um, appears at 9 a.m. on Tuesdays following JM and the AM. That's 9 a.m. Tuesdays following JM and the AM. You can t- tune into the OU's Jewish Reaction. So on this clip that you're going to hear right now, Ellie Hagler, who is the host of the Jewish Reaction and the assistant director of Yachad for uh, the OU, is joined by my fellow colleague in crime, Mayor Furtick, who is also the communications director at the OU, and they discuss the appearance of the OU logo in a very interesting place. So here it is, the Jewish reaction, Ellie Hagler along with Mayor Furtick discussing an odd appearance of the OU's logo. This is the Nachum Siegel Network, this is Stunt Show, this is Mark Zomik. You're listening to the Jewish Reaction here on the Nachum Siegel Network at our new time on Tuesday mornings at 9 o'clock, immediately following uh, Nachum on JM and the AM. I am being joined by Mayor Ferdy, the Chief Communications Officer of the Orthodox Union, um, and we're talking a little bit about the hit TV show that has just come to a close this past Sunday night, Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad, as we just said, is basically about a genius chemist who ends up becoming a high school chemistry teacher, right. who, in order to provide for his family after he's diagnosed with cancer, um, teams up with an ex-student to sell the world's purest crystal meth. Um, <laughs> wow, what a premise. <laughs> Genius, right? Uh, so it's actually very interesting why we're discussing this. The ORU, the Orthodox Union, came out with an article that was written by Michael Orbach well, just was, a few it, weeks ago. Right, it actually wasn't an OU article. It was actually on Tablet Magazine. Oh, okay. Uh, which is an online magazine you could read at tabletmag.com. And the headline... Yeah, it was going back to August 19th. Right, and the headline of this article, which Ellie has just discovered to his immense delight, is Breaking Bad's Chicken, Not Kosher. So why would people even think, or why would tablet mag or anybody even think to discuss whether or not the well, chicken on the TV show, which is fictional, which takes place in a made-up chicken uh, chain in Albuquerque, New Mexico, nonetheless, why would they somebody think to even discuss whether or not it's kosher or not? The reason, uh, according to the article, and I'll, I'll read it right from the article, 
quote, the canister, that is of the, of the fry batter for the chicken, the canister has the ubiquitous OU symbol of the not-for-profit Orthodox Union, the world's largest kosher certifier. It's right there on the show. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, the fast food chicken joint is called Los Polos Hermanos, right. which is basically a cover for smuggling, helping to smuggle this crystal pure meth. form of crystal meth. So obviously the containers that the fry batter is stored in would have an OU on it as well. Correct. Makes sense, right? There's just one <laughs> one little hitch here, which is that obviously this product doesn't exist. The restaurant doesn't exist, and obviously the OU has not provided said certification. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to read the next quote in this article, which is said by you. This is the first we've certified a fictional product to the best of my knowledge, said Mayor Furtick, Chief Communications Officer of the OU. <laughs> So you've never seen the show? I never saw the show. Okay. So I'll, I'll describe to you At what's At least happening. I'd heard of the show, unlike At Rabbi Knack, who's quoted show. later in the article, who never <laughs> who even never heard, heard of it. it. <laughs> well, I would hope not, a man, you know. <laughs> so here, let's, let's find out Rabbi Knack's quote. Oh, here it is. The ingredients list for Los Polos Hermanos batter doesn't include shellfish or pork products. That, needless to say, wouldn't be certified as kosher. However... Despite certification on some of its ingredients, the fictional restaurant chain would still not be considered kosher, according to Rabbi Menachem Ganak, the CEO of the Orthodox Union's kosher division, who also admitted to not having seen or heard about the show. Here's a quote from Rabbi Ganak. The chicken would have to be kosher. Everything would have to be kosher inside the restaurant, and there would need to be a mashkiach, a rabbinic supervisor, on site. Exactly. So in theory... Breaking Bad could have done more research and could have made this a kosher chicken establishment. Happily, in they did In Albuquerque, New Mexico, why wouldn't there be right, exactly. a there are, kosher fried chicken There's probably joint. a whole kosher restaurant row in Albuquerque. <laughs> so basically, I'll tell you what happened on the show. This chicken place, this chicken place is owned by this guy, Gus, right. who is a normal, regular business owner mm-hmm. who happens to also be one of the largest drug smugglers in the world, going back and forth between Mexico and the United States. Wow. So Walter White, the main character right. in the show, ends up, because he makes this purest form of crystal meth, Gus wants to sell his product. And Correct. that's where the connection comes. So the, so the question is, how did the OU get on this product? So that, that's what we were talking about before, before we came on the air. Why would the producers, Vince Gilligan is the, is the writer, head writer for uh, Breaking Bad, why would the OU symbol even be on the camera? So the answer is, we think, we think that a prop master, the person charged with making the different props and, and items that would be used on the show, probably just copied it from the package of some similar product and then dressed it up to make the fictional so label. So he might have seen it and just thought it was yeah. like a registered trademark or Correct. something that, that should be on Correct. there also. Or maybe he did it with full knowledge and thought it would just make it that much more interesting. That's possible, too, and we may we may or may not ever know. Can't we find out? You know what? I'm sure we could. We could probably get in touch with the prop like, This master. is probably a very, very, very important... <laughs> Ellie, I your assignment, Jewish community. your assignment, do next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m., <laughs> you need to reach out to the prop master for Breaking Bad and and ask. And I'll bet you could find him or her on Facebook. You think so? Yeah, for sure. And we are back. This is Mark Zomick, the host of The Stunt Show this week, our debut week in season, our premiere week, I guess, in season number two. And that was Ellie Hagler and Mayor Fertig on the Jewish reaction in their premiere episode, talking about Breaking Bad, 
a show that I am absolutely 100% proud to say I have never seen. Doesn't mean I don't watch a lot of television. Just doesn't mean that's the one show that everybody's talking about that I haven't watched. Anyway, it remains to be seen whether that continues. Okay, for our second clip, we are going to listen to Nahum hosting the debut edition of By the Book, in which he discusses Koran's publication of an edition of Sefer Melachim. So, here's Nahum. And welcome to Buy the Book. My name is Nahum Siegel. This is the Nahum Siegel Network on NahumSiegel.com and JMNAM.org. Tuesdays we get an opportunity to check out uh, one of the latest uh, literary works that are out there and uh, examine it with the author themselves. And uh, we call this uh, Buy the Book. This is the inaugural edition of this, uh, of this hour, of this uh, radio program. Uh, brand new to the Nahum Siegel Network, and I thank you for tuning in. We're brought to you by Corin Publishers. Corin has uh, an incredible array of uh, publications and has been out there for years and years educating our public, and uh, we are going to be meeting some great authors and really uh, examining some very interesting works over the next uh, few weeks. Uh, you can check out their website, CorinPub.com. That's K-O-R-E-N, Pub.com. Uh, in front of me is a uh, a brand new book entitled uh, Malachim Aleph, Kings Number One, Torn in Two. The author is Alex Israel. It's part of the Magid Studies in Tanakh series, and uh, again available on the website and in your Judaica stores. And now we get to say uh, Alex Israel, welcome to the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you very much, Nachum. A pleasure to speak with you. Uh, why does one embark? on a project to write about Malachim Aleph? <laughs> that is a great question. Um, well, I'll tell you, it, it relates a little bit to the work that I've been doing for, for years here in Israel. Um, I've been teaching for about 20 years in different uh, yeshivas, modern Orthodox yeshivas, and midrashot, women's seminaries. And one of the things that I love to teach is uh, Tanakh, particularly Nuvim Roshonim. Um, one of the reasons of that is because it really starts with the entry to the land of Israel, ends with the destruction of the temple, and it gives people a, a history, a running history of the ups and downs of the Jewish people. Um, from coming, you know, the idea of statehood. Suddenly, students from England, America, South Africa, coming to Israel for a year, and they're experiencing living in a Jewish country for the first time. And you open the Tanakh, and it's not just learning Pasuk Rashi, Pasuk Rashi. Suddenly, um, what they're hearing in the news, questions of national defense, are popping out of their Tanakh. Suddenly, questions of corruption, which they see in the newspaper or they're hearing about in, in government, suddenly they're reading about similar things in Tanakh, and they realize Tanakh has this phenomenal relevancy. And so we're learning about a critical period of Jewish history, a period in the history when there were prophets, when God was really communicating with his people. It's very exciting to have that closeness to God, and 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 suddenly it's, it's connecting in, in a really big way. You know, it's interesting so, because in a way, one could argue that uh, Tanakh, in this case uh, Melachim, is more appropriate for today than maybe 100 years ago, 200 years ago, or other recent times in Jewish history. Um, I, I couldn't agree more. I think 
the return um, to the land of Israel, um, Zionism. You know, when you read the early Zionists, you read people like Pinska, Aharam, Alastalid Gordon. They kept on saying, you know, Herzl said there's a problem with the Jews. The Jews experience anti-Semitism. But many of these people said, no, there's a problem with Judaism. We can't stand the shtetl Judaism, small-minded, worrying about whether we put on our left shoe first or our right shoe first. They looked at the Bible and they said, hold on a second, once, once upon a time we had an economy, we had an army, we had government, we had an infrastructure, we had a taxation system. We wanted, that's Judaism. That's not just, you know, history. That's, that's actually Judaism. And now that we've come back to Israel, I mean, obviously, you, you probably, uh, I'm sure many people realize that the, the people who really got into this first were the secular Zionists. They went back to the Tanakh and started, you know, naming all their kibbutzim according to names straight out of the Bible. Right. And they were the ones who started hiking Bible in hand all around the country. And it's taken a while for us religious Zionists to catch up. But we're catching up, <laughs> and we're returning to the, we're returning to the pages of the Tanakh. Rabbi Alex Israel is with us. He's author of Malachim Aleph, Torn in Two, a uh, Magid release. Uh, Koran Publishers brings you this segment of By the Book here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Rabbi Alex Israel is a master educator whose teaching over the past two decades has inspired thousands of students in the U.S., Israel, and the U.K. to engage deeply with biblical texts. He currently teaches at Yeshivat. Eretz Hatzvin is Director of Community Education at the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. An active writer, he also contributes regularly to Yeshivat Haaretzion's Israel Kashitsky Virtual Beit Midrash. Um, um, Rabbi Israel, the, you mentioned such an important thing about focusing on, I guess, what some people would call minutia. You mentioned about the tying of the shoes. I think we can give a million other examples. I know that a friend of mine calls it bubblegum Judaism, where it seems sometimes People are much more concerned about the kashras of bubblegum than they are about the future of the Jewish people. Is this a trend that uh, somehow uh, seeped into Jewish history at some specific point or slowly during a specific era that can be pointed at? Or has this been a problem with the Jewish people from the beginning of time? Um, I love that question. That is a great question. Um, the best answer I can give is an answer which was given by Rav Cook. Rav Cook has a wonderful. Um, he, Rav Cook sees things in a very evolutionary way, and Rav Cook claims that actually part of the problem of First Temple Judaism was we had these prophets, and they were talking about things like social justice. They were talking about the big ideas. They were talking about um, idolatry and sort of religious orientation. Um, and he says ultimately, uh, they failed. How do we know that the prophets failed? when they spoke about social justice and not keeping idolatry, because the temple was destroyed and the people went into exile. That was their biggest failure. He said, suddenly in Second Temple Judaism, the character we know as Ezra, Ezra HaSofer, and the people, the men of the Great Assembly, maybe some people recall the first Mishnah in Avot, uh, Pirkei Avot, where they talk about making offense for the Torah, um, establishing many students, suddenly Judaism started expanding. That's the period in which blessings were, were written down, in which our prayers were written. The, the, the 18 blessings of the Shemona Yisrael. Suddenly, things like Muktzah was created. Judaism expanded in leaps and bounds during the Second Temple period. Rabbi Cook says something remarkable. He says, you know, Judaism only survived because of that sort of minutiae detail-oriented Judaism. 
but he warns us that sometimes we can get so caught up in the details that we, we miss the wood from the trees and we can't see the big picture. And therefore, Ralph Cook assures us that when we come close to the redemption, as he puts it, prophecy has to return. We have to return to ability to see the big picture. Big picture, morality in its full scope. Um, we want to have religious leaders who, who talk with a, with a large moral voice and who are aware of the influence of world cultures and world religions and can talk to that, to that grand stage. So I would say, yes, Second Temple Judaism is where we start getting into the details. It's really, really important. I think it's held Judaism very strongly. You know that statement, more than the Jews have kept Shabbat, Shabbat right. has kept Judaism. Right. But sometimes we've got to also widen our lens, widen our scope. Well, if uh, Manusha is credited with keeping the Jewish people around, then I would say today we are on the road to uh, survival, constant survival. <laughs> well, I will say, I will say, Rabbi Cook talks about, he quotes a rabbinic statement that when we get to the end of this process, uh, people will despise the rabbis for this. Ooh. They will have a very hard time with Judaism because they feel it's too... Uh, detail-oriented, and there are many people who do feel that way. Oh, boy, and if, if you look uh, carefully at what's going on in terms of Jewish leadership, there is a there is somewhat of a rift that has developed over the last couple of decades. That's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Right. Uh, Rabbi Alex Israel is with us live via telephone. Malachim Aleph is our topic. The uh, subtitle is Torn in Two. It's a Magid release. Koran Publishers is responsible for it. You're listening to uh, Buy the Book here on the Nahum Siegel Network. Mark Zamek with you on the stunt show in our debut week on the season two of the Nachum Signal Network. That was Nachum talking about Sefer Malachim, a program sponsored by Koran Publishers. It is called By the Book. It is one of the new offerings here on the Nachum Signal Network schedule. Special thanks, shout out, slash, uh, just notification of the great work behind the scenes by the Nahum Siegel Show team, led in the back office by Miriam L. Wallach, whose voice is familiar to many of you, although this week it sounded something completely different as she is a little bit under the weather. But anyway, special shout-out to Miriam in the office and um, for her leadership and her guidance and her support. Also, um, one of the real behind-the-scenes people uh, at the Nachum Siegel Network. Again, I think people hear his name all the time, but doesn't really don't really understand the role or know the role that he fills. Is Executive Assistant Avrami. I think uh, I'm going to have to have a conversation with Miriam and perhaps change Executive Assistant Avrami's title because he is so much more than that. He uh, actually manages a great manages a great deal of the behind-the-scenes content for our website and for our podcasting. And he is a tremendous resource in managing our programming on our, our automated stream. So special shout out to Avrami. And of course, the great ZK, Zaman Kopel, the uh, technical expertise extraordinaire. I always say about ZK, if God forbid you're on a sinking ship, ZK is the one you want with you because he will figure out how to save the day, as he always does, and swoops in and take care of it. So shout-out to the Nachum Siegel team. Of course, we don't have to mention the leader of the uh, the titular head of the Nachum Siegel team, Nachum Siegel, who uh, definitely sets the example for all of us in manner and tone as he leads this network. We actually had a conversation offline a few weeks ago that maybe we'll share 
in full with our listeners about the vision and the mission statement of the Nachum Siegel Network. And I'm sure nobody would be surprised to hear um, what our goals and our vision and our mission are for the future of this network. Anyway, I digress, giving you some behind-the-scenes knowledge. By the way, if you want to get in touch with me, feel free to shoot me an email, mark at nachomsiegel.com. That's M-A-R-K at nachomsiegel.com. If you have any questions, suggestions, as I mentioned Nachum has titled me the music director. I do, in fact, manage most of the music stream that plays during the uh, during the day when we're not doing uh, programs like this, and a lot of the back end. I do have a full time job other than the Nachum Siegel Network, and uh, I am a managing partner at a large advertising agency. And um, luckily, regardless of the ridiculous number of hours I spend doing that. I have the ability to not only serve in my capacity at the Nachum Siegel Network, but I am fortunate enough as well to serve in the leadership of the Young Israel of Tinek, where I sit as vice president after serving four years as president. And I am also on the board of directors of the Torah Academy of Bergen County. So many, many causes near and dear to my heart. I am fond of quoting uh, Rabbi uh, Reisman from his Saturday Night Navishir when he says that when someone tells you, they are too busy. It just means they have something important to do. So luckily, I have many important things to do. Okay, I can get off my soapbox, soapbox and go to our next clip. We are going to listen to Randy Wartelski as she interviews Adina Letterer, who is a parenting coach. And they talk about some, uh, you know, it's the opening of the show, the setup of uh, Adina's philosophy on parenting. She is a parenting coach. Very interesting. I did not know parenting coaches were involved. I think that's probably a great idea. Although, um, my, uh, Rochelle and I, our youngest child is now, uh, well into his 16th year. So it could be that all coaching at this point was for naught. But luckily, my wife has done a wonderful job at raising our three children who are all wonderful. Anyway, I am now really digressing, and it's becoming crash and burn. Just kidding, everybody. Anyway, here is Randy Wartelke, Adina Letterer, something to talk about, which airs in its original time on Wednesday mornings, right after Jam the Aim with Nachum Siegel. Randy Wartelke, take it away. Adina, thanks so much for being here. Sure. Hi, Randy. So what does a parenting coach do, and how did you become a parenting coach? Okay. So I was teaching for many, many years. Um, for over 16 years I spent in the classroom and for now, for now I've been spending the last 21 years as a parent. Um, my oldest is 21. My second one is 19. My third is 16 and my youngest is 11. And while I spent this journey of parenting and a teacher in the classroom, um, really getting to know each child and who they are, I spent many years tapping into and connecting with their strengths and ultimately helping them reach their full potential. And that's what my passion is about. Um, and so this coaching career really stemmed from my passion to help each child um, develop and grow and blossom and each parent tap into who their child is, connect and really bond with their child. And like you mentioned before, achieving long-term goals and not short-term goals. And how did you come up with the idea of connection parenting? Excellent. So connection parenting is really based on a book 
um, by the author named Pam Leo, um, and her book is Connection Parenting. Connection Parenting is parenting through connection instead of coercion through love instead of fear. And again, by Pam Leo, who is one of my instructors um, for my program the, through the Academy of Coaching Parents International. Connection parenting really aims to enhance and facilitate building that relationship between parent and child based on respect, based on boundaries, love, and understanding, and tapping into who is this child and how do I parent them right now and how do I reach my long-term goal and stay connected with them throughout the years. Um, and my passion is really... A, being self-aware, who am I, how do I become in tune to myself so that I can become in tune to who my child is and help support them. And Yeah, uh, my my question was going to be how do you figure out who your child is? Right. So it's really taking a look first, I think, at who we are as a person, Mm -hmm. accepting our own strengths and our own shortcomings so that we could thereby look at our child and get a sense of, who are they accepting and accepting their strengths and their challenges? And understanding over the years and really looking at each child for who they are, um, getting to know those strengths and challenges, and then um, really tapping into that and seeing the full child, um, knowing they need to become who they need to become and not who we need them to become. I think that's such a hard thing for so many parents who see children, um, even as they get older, and I know you mentioned that you have a son who's 21 who's starting college. Uh, It's so challenging for parents to see their children going in a direction that, oh, I never would have, you know, chosen that direction for myself or going in a direction that they don't, they don't approve of or they don't like or, how do parents reconcile that when they see when they see their children going in a direction that is uncomfortable for them as parents? Right. So, Not in a bad direction. Right. So I think once we're at peace with our own self, we have an easier time getting to be at peace with who the child is, number one. And number two is if we really take a good look at all their wonderful strengths and spend a lot of time with that child, doing different things with them over the years and getting to know who they really are, model for them, um, and let them be who they need to become, they will become the best of who they're capable of becoming. And it's not about getting to them to the point that we need to get them to mm-hmm. become, but it's helping them achieve their own goals through their own strengths. And the other big piece of it is um, really understanding that through each bump in the road, and there will be many on this roller coaster ride of life, um, and each challenge, to look at it as a blessing. And I know it's hard to do that in the moment, but we see through each child, and, you know, thank God I, I have four children who have each had you know, their own challenges and, and of course, with tremendous strength and motivation, you get through each challenge. I tell my children, life is like a ladder. We try to, you know, ascend as high as we can, but we're going to slip and fall. Right. And when we do, we just climb right back up. And we, too, we have to know we're going to face challenges individually as an individual and as a parent and as a teacher and 
whoever we are to whomever we're taking care of at that moment. But those challenges are our blessings. They are our teachers. And, of course, we're their teachers as well. Do you feel like you almost um, need to ask parents to drop a list? For parents who have a hard time picking out their child's strengths because they're so focused on their child's weaknesses, would it almost be beneficial to sit down and literally write up a list? Here are my child's strengths and here are my child's weaknesses so that I could help recognize that in them. So that's, that's really, um, an excellent idea. And, and one of the strategies that I recommend is to do such a thing, to really try to focus and zone in on what are their, what are their strengths? Are they good at helping put away the dishes? Can they help carry in the bags after a shopping trip? Um, are they, you know, the child you turn to when you say, wait, I forgot when that doctor appointment is. Or, you know, we need to get ready for Shabbos now. Are you going to be able to, you know, can you clear up this room? Um, it's Those are strengths. And it doesn't have to be that the, they know how to ice skate or they're the best at, you know, hitting that ball with that bat. But you need to tap in. Are they Are they good at drawing? Are they able to um, make friends easily? Are they able to climb easily? You know, each child has their own strength. And you have to figure out what that is. And then, of course, help them work through their challenges. Right. Um, the other thing I say is sometimes we get, I, I hear from many parents over the years, I've heard that it's very hard also to become close to that child because they're going through so many challenges and what we're doing is focusing on those challenges. Say, so write a list for yourself of all the things that you love about your child. Focus on what you love and you will see that every day that you're focusing on what you love about that child, you really will love them more and more instead of focusing on, you know, the difficulty and the obstacles that lie in front of that child and you. Right. And you brought up an interesting point that finding strengths in a child is not necessarily something big. Like, Like you said, it could be something as small as clearing off the table. That's right. You know, it doesn't have to be the big things that everybody else is looking at and, you know, that you think right. everyone else is looking you at. You can't forget kids. about those little, those little things because those little things lead to becoming bigger things for that child. Right. Especially for the child, I say, who happens to forget certain things in school, like a folder or a jacket or we a know sweater, about that. you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want you to tell those children every single time that they remember to do something, I want you to tell them you have such a great memory. Do you see? You remember to put your shoes in the right spot. Or you put all the cups, you know, right away in the garbage. You remember that I asked you that. Or the child that maybe is a little disorganized. But once they're able to put all the silverware back, that was a great help. They right. were so capable. Right. And that will lead to becoming stronger in that area that is now a challenge, could become something they overcome and be stronger in. Right. And just getting so, back to what you said about connection parenting. So parenting through connection instead of coercion, mm-hmm. through love instead of fear. What does that mean? Okay. So let's go back to something you mentioned at the very beginning. Um, parenting is really about achieving long-term goals. There is no quick fix. It is hard work. No one tells us that at the very beginning, right? That we're not going to have a great time and it's not going to all be fun and games. Um, there should be plenty of fun and games. Right. And, but, but parenting is really about achieving success with a child. The reward will come later. 
and connection through love instead of fear is really about those threats. The I'm counting to three, one, two, and then what happens? Mm-hmm. That's short term. Your child is afraid, therefore the child will listen. I can guarantee you. But when that counting child, is so effective <laughs> in the moment. In the moment. In the moment, yes. And it doesn't lead to connection. It leads to fear. And what happens is that those threats eventually don't work. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a they won't work, and b we disconnect. And once we disconnect, we need to work on reconnecting. And we're back, Mark Zomik here on the stunt show, the clip stunt show, the stunt clip show. Something like that. We are playing clips of some of our debut broadcasts this week. In Premier Week, we're calling it week number one of the Nahum Siegel Network's new programming. And there's some stuff that hasn't even started yet. We are really excited about some of our new programs this week. I just wanted to take a second, perhaps, to go through the new schedule. Monday following Jamie the AM, Mayor Weingarten returns for season number two of the critically acclaimed Israel show, followed by a brand new program called Tech Talk, hosted by Michael Fragan of the uh, Spin Class. A uh, great show, followed by a Monday Live Lunch. We haven't exactly formulated exactly what it's going to be, but there will be now a Monday Live Lunch. Tuesday, and then, of course, the Monday Music Marathon, some of my favorite Monday songs. Played all day for your listening pleasure. Tuesday following Jam the AM is the OU Jewish Reaction at 9 a.m. by the book with Nachum Siegel at 10. And the live lunch with ZK, one of our most popular broadcasts. ZK hosts the live Tuesday lunch. We have a Tuesday music mix during the day. And we haven't yet started some of our new Tuesday evening shows. It's going to start in the next couple of weeks. We're going to have a Yeshiva League sports update for half an hour. Nefesh Benefesh is hosting an Aliyah show following that. Teen Spirit. We have a number of super exciting hosts for Teen Spirit this year, a rotating group of youngsters for your listening pleasure uh, as our two hosts from last year that would be Rifka Abbey and Leo Razamik, are spending the year studying abroad in Israel. At 9 at 9, 9 at 9, yes, he's wide, host the countdown show, our first countdown show. Don't forget to vote. Check it out on our website, 9 at 9 to vote. And then Live from the Lounge, a student show coming from uh, uptown in uh, northern Manhattan, rounding at our Tuesday evening. Wednesday morning, after Nachum's Jamie the Am, comes something to talk about with Randy Wartelsky and listen up by Rabbi Chaim Hagler. Uh, which you'll hear a clip from in, uh, in a couple minutes. The, uh, book, uh, and then the Z Report Live Lunch, Wednesday at 11 a.m. Our live lunch is airing at, when, at 11 o'clock. The joke is now it's the live brunch, but we'll keep the title live lunch because we like the uh, alliteration. So Wednesday live lunch, the Z Report with the SESY, and a Wednesday music mix sponsored by Koran Publishers. On Thursday morning, Thursday is always one of our big days here on the Nachum Siegel Network. The Book of Life with Charlie Harari airs at 9 a.m. At, at 10 a.m., That's Life with Miriam Wallach. Nachum hosts the live lunch from 11 to 1. At 1 p.m., I am super excited 
that we now have the privilege of having Dr. David Lieberman hosting a show, a call-in show, called Sound Advice. Everybody should listen to that. Well, actually, hopefully an hour ago you did listen to that. As it precedes the stunt show, I am a very, very big fan of Dr. Lieberman. I've read a number of his books. He is actually a fabulous, fabulous self-helper. And everybody should tune in. We're going to rebroadcast the Aliyah show following this show when it starts to air in the next couple of weeks and a rebroadcast of By the Book with Nachum Siegel follows that. And then we have Out of the Week, another feature of the Nachum Siegel Network, one of which I am quite proud. Let's see. The album of the week this week is Rechnis Serejik's number eight. Although if you're listening to the show later on, or at another time, it might be a different one. Michael um, Fragan hosts the spin class in its usual time at 6 p.m. And then at 7 p.m., one hour of Jewish soul rounds out our Thursday evening. Table for Two with Naomi Nachman is our Friday morning show, followed by Arab Shabbos Music Mix. Saturday Night Seagull follows Shabbos on Motsoy Shabbos at 10 p.m., hosted by Executive Assistant Avrami. And, of course, last, but so at least, certainly not least, is the 7 a.m. Sunday of J.M. Sunday with the one and only Baruch Matis, Yehu Chaim, and Aharon Dov Matis Weingast. Everybody should tune in to that. Matis does a super-duper show every Sunday morning, and we are all grateful to him for that. Anyway, that's an overview of our schedule. I thought it was appropriate, since we're doing a clip show this week, to review some of our schedule. Uh, before we run our final clip, I did want to play a song. I did mention sort of the vision goal of the Nachum Siegel Network and spreading the word is one of our goals. How we spread the word is uh, is really the name of the game. And uh, as everybody knows, Benny Friedman, one of the hottest new artists out there, new, I guess, compared to many other people, but Benny Friedman, one of the hottest artists, um, did a song called Mamlechas Kohanim V'Goy Kadosh. We are a nation of priests, a holy nation, and it's important for us to realize that and the example we need to set for the world. It's one of the driving forces behind the Nachum Single Network. And here it is, Benny Friedman, Mamleches Kohanim, Begay Kados. This is the stunt show, Mark Zamek on the Nachum Single Network. This is jamethem.org. Mamlech is Koyanim, 
Super, super song. One of my favorites. Mamlechus Kohanim Begoy Kadosh. Benny Friedman on the Nachum Siegel Network. This is The Stunt Show. This is Mark Zamek. Uh, not sure who's hosting next week. Maybe uh, one of my other partners in crime, Jordan, Gordon, or Fertig. Got to get some more rhyming going on here. Anyway, for our final clip today, we're going to play the int- the opening and the uh, and the first segment from... Uh, from the um, brand new Listen Up with Rabbi Chaim Hagler from uh, Yesh- from the brewery Yeshiva High School. Rabbi Hagler talks to Akiva Miller, who manages the Elizabeth Erev. Some interesting stuff going about an Erevin, and also you'll hear Chaim's vision for the show opening up this segment. Here he is, Rabbi Chaim Hagler. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Listen Up. I am Chaim Hagler, assistant principal at the Brewery High School for Girls in Elizabeth, New Jersey, and your host of this brand-new show for Season 2 here at the Nachum Siegel Network, 
heard on NachumSiegel.com and JMInTheAM.org. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you this morning and every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, following something to talk about with Randy Wartelski. Let me tell you a little bit about Listen Up so you'll know what to expect and what to look forward to each week at this time. Our goal for Listen Up is to highlight the extraordinary work of those often unnoticed Sarchit Sibur heroes in our communities, those who give of themselves and change the lives of others and whose incredible work should serve as inspiration for us all. My hope is to have an opportunity to make people more aware of the -the behind-the-scenes community-wide work being done, perhaps even motivating all of us to become more involved. Maybe you didn't even know a situation existed or that there were efforts taking place on behalf of others in which you could easily become an effective team member. This is where you'll find all of that out. Hear their stories every week because these are our heroes. In future shows, we also expect to raise some important educational and social issues and awareness that we as an Orthodox community face. We need to remember that together we can all make a difference. And for my very first show here on Listen Up and the Nachum Siegel Network, I thought it would be a good idea to concentrate on something that I consider to be the backbone of every good Orthodox Jewish community, every 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 Jewish community out there in, uh, in, in every neighborhood. And it has changed the lives, I would say, of many, many people. If you go back 30, 40, 50 years ago when there was no Erev, uh, it really made a difference, and it was a completely different experience. And uh, my guest today, and I'm so glad to have him uh, with me here, uh, a special friend of mine uh, from my very own neighborhood, Elizabeth, is uh, Akiva Miller. Akiva, welcome to Listen Up on uh, the Nachum Siegel Network. Thanks so much for coming. Morning, Rabbi. How are you doing? I am doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm great. Good. It really is very special for me that you uh, agreed to join me here this morning, um, being that this is my very first show. And I wanted to... Kind of get your take. I know that you are a, um, I don't know, truth is you can tell us what your position really is. I don't know if it's, uh, you know, chief of Erev or, no, or exactly no. how you, how you uh, define your role. It's a lot more informal than that. We have a Erev committee, and I'm one of the guys on the committee. How many people are on the committee? At the moment, well, we expanded recently over the summer, and now I think we're up to like about eight or ten. But for the past few years, it was two people, myself and Kenny Mandel. Two people for the entire era? We do most of the legwork, and the rabbis of the community give a, a lot of their time and help, also guiding us, making sure we're doing it right. So who is the decisor, if you will? In other words, when, when I come to my Shabbos, and I know that I can carry because of this era, we'll get into that, you know, how I really know I can carry, um, but who, who's made that decision? Does that come from Kevin Miller? No. In fact, when people ask me uh, on Shabbos, how is it, I never say it's kosher or it's not kosher. I say it meets the requirements of the rabbis. And the rabbis discuss it among themselves and have a consensus, and they pretty much see the view, all the issues pretty much the same as far as I can tell. Now, on a weekly basis, are you... Going out there every, you know, every, is it Thursdays, is it Fridays, is it Wednesdays, is it three times a week? How, how often do you do something like this? We do it once a week. It would be great if we could do it earlier in the week because then we have more time to fix it if there's problems. But that also allows more time for problems to occur. So we generally do it Friday morning. And with a busy work schedule, how does one work? What time are we talking about on Friday morning? 
Well, that's why I don't do it so much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, re- I, recent, I recently started a new job in Manhattan. Oh, must have. That's good. Thank you. As a matter of fact, Akeem and I used to work together, so I, I, I know that he, uh, that he w- went to a new job. I didn't know exactly where. We spoke about it the other day quickly. Um, and it was in Manhattan, but today, tonight, we're here in the uh, Elizabeth uh, wing of the Nachum Single Network. So uh, that's good for both of us since we both live here. Uh, for for many years, I had the great privilege of working at JEC, at the Jewish Educational Center in Elizabeth. And I live only a half mile away. So I generally had a lot of time Friday morning after Minion, before work. I had a, a good solid half hour to an hour that I could spend if I needed. But now the commuting takes up that time. But I generally would do it Friday morning, sometimes Friday afternoon. Now, the privilege of working for a Jewish school gets you out early on Friday. Right. right. I thought it was always, it's always interesting that when you work for a Jewish school, you're involved in the Jewish calendar. Mm-hmm. You, you never don't know what's coming up, and you're, you're always involved. So that's true. Um, so in terms of – you mentioned that the, that the Rabbanim of the community are involved, but they're not coming with you on that Friday morning to check the Arab, are they? No. If everything looks the way it, they've told us it should look – then we just let them know everything's fine, everything's the way it's supposed to be. But if we find something that's not the way it's supposed to be, and we're worried whether we can fix it properly, they will come out and give us advice. They'll tell us, if you do it this way, it's good. If you do it that way, it's not good. So I guess without getting too technical for for the layman like me, um, but... You know, what, what's the kind of thing that wouldn't be good? What are, you, what are you looking for? What's good? What's not good? How does that work? What, is, what does good even mean? And what, what are we talking about here? I know that when we, when we I can't first even ap- start this unless we understand what the Aruf is. Okay, so let's talk about that. Is, is, like. Isn't it just a magical uh, formula that, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glad you used that phrase okay. because there, there are a lot of people who have that impression that it's some kind of magical device or a legal fiction that allows us to violate the laws of Shabbos. And God forbid, it's not like that at all. There is a tendency to oversimplify, and when, you, when you're missing the details, a lot of stuff gets lost in the shuffle. It's, I heard one person he, who explained the Erev to somebody else, and the guy responded, well, if it's an imaginary wa- a wall... Why don't you just use imaginary string? (laughs) And the answer is it's not an imaginary wall. It's a real doorway. Let's step back and I'll explain what I mean. One of the many laws of Shabbos is not to carry outdoors. But that is the oversimplified version. It's very good on a practical basis. If there's nothing in your pockets or in your hands... When you step outside your house and the only thing you have is the clothes or jewelry that you're wearing, you're fine. It's 100%. It's a great rule of thumb. It's a great way of summarizing. Okay, so what, so what is it that we're accomplishing with, with this Erev? But that is more than the Torah requires because the actual law on Shabbos is not to carry something from within a building to a major road or from a major road to inside a building or along a major road. The The sticking point is that a minor road 
is not included in these laws. So let me ask you, let me just jump in for a second. I'm here with Akiva Miller. I'm Chaim Hagler, your host of, uh, of Listen Up on the Nachum Sigal Network. Um, and Akiva Miller has been kind enough to join me. Um, when we're talking about uh, a place like Manhattan, mm-hmm. um, how does it? How does that work? And and you know, in other words, uh, and I know that there are things like, and we'll, we'll get into this also, but there are people who who won't use an air of that that size. So so you mentioned the little road and the big road. So so how, how does that how does that work? Here's the thing that proves that an air of is not magic. An air of will not work in a place where the Torah says you're not allowed to th- take things on Shabbos. If there is a major road. There is no way to build an Erev which will allow you to carry on that major road. So what would a major, how does, how do we find the major road halakhically, according to Jewish law? There are many dis- discussions among the rabbis. Like, like everything else that comes into Jewish law, we like to have many good discussions. Yeah, there are discussions, there are disputes, there is, there are things that they don't agree about what the criteria are. You know, Akiva, it sounds to me like there's really a lot of information that you needed to know or that one needs to know when they're involved in, in making sure that an Arab in a community is working, that all of us can enjoy our Shabbos and our, our our mothers can go with their strollers and our babies can come out and they're not cooped up all day. How how it long is do you study for it? How, how, how does it work? In other words, did you have to pass some kind of test to become certified to do this? How does it work? Back when I was a student at Yeshiva University and living in Paramus, New Jersey, I, we built a sukkah in our backyard. But the sukkah did not go up against, right after sukkahs now, how appropriate. (laughs) The sukkah was in the backyard. It did not adjoin the back door. We had to go from the house to the backyard and then into the sukkah. How am I going to get my food out there on Shabbos? You know, you don't even think of something like that. You're talking about sukkahs, right? I think about my sukkah in my backyard. I have the same idea. In other words, it's not connected to my house. And back then, this was in the 70s. I found the appropriate... Of course, we're talking, about on, we're talking about on Shabbos. We're talking True. About, on right. Yom Tov, you, you are allowed to right. carry food. Right. But I wanted to eat on, in the sukkah on Shabbos also. Right. <laughs> and I, I also had a pet dog, and I wasn't oh. sure what the rules are for walking your dog on Shabbos. I hear you. That, that was a year-round problem. I hear you. So I got a teacher. I got a book. I learned a, a lot of good information about the Erev. Did you actually get involved in the Erev way back then? My own personal backyard. Ah, okay, I gotcha. So, actually, it was one of Rabbi Shimon Eider's first books. I still have it at home. It's copyright 1968. It's a few years ago. Allah of the Erev. And I figured it out, and I spoke with my rabbi. I had a few questions. And since then, I've tried to keep up with other books and other svarim. Well, hopefully you enjoyed the clips we played for you. Special thanks to the hosts, who I'm not sure that they knew I was doing this, but uh, to Chaim Hagler, to Randy Wartowski, to Ellie Hagler, and, of course, to Nachum Siegel for letting us use the clips from their show. And hopefully you got a taste of what's going to happen on the Nachum Siegel Network for the next year or more. Special thanks, to uh, again, to Miriam Wallach of Rami ZK, um, for all that's going on behind the scenes and for helping produce this show in one way, shape, or form. So this is Mark Zomik signing off another edition of The Stunt Show, reminding you that no matter how long a journey may seem, every step you take brings you one closer to the end. Go out make it a great day. Be happy, everybody. It's a great world out there. And we need to remember, if we 
to, if we are not in Orla Gayim, then what are we? I'll see you next time.